situation. Could the war have been ended sooner? And could the Saigon regime have been saved from itself and a communist takeover by Hanoi? In light of the end results in Vietnam, Kissinger's selection for the Nobel Peace Prize in 1973 is another point of controversy. The opening to China is a largely celebrated event, usually cited as the most important achievement of Nixon's and Kissinger's foreign policy. But how it occurred, and which man deserves the principal credit for realizing it, still provokes debate. Questions about its usefulness in balancing the communist superpower in Peking against the one in Moscow also remain. Arguments about the wisdom and value of detente with the Soviet Union continue to be worthy of consideration as well. Were the SALT and trade agreements as essential to international stability and peace as Nixon and Kissinger believed? Neoconservative critics of detente complained that the rapprochement was nothing more than a Soviet ploy in the Cold War and did more to undermine than benefit U.S. national security. The available records and the passage of time allow for more rounded judgments on this controversy. Meanwhile, arguments about the Middle East today are especially pressing. Was the administration too slow to deal with the region's problems? Could we have averted the Yom Kippur War? The decision to increase America's defense condition, DEFCON, in response to a Soviet threat to send paratroops into the Sinai to prevent the demise of Egypt's surrounded Third Army is a troubling fact, especially in light of what new records show about how it was done, and the post-war peacemaking against the backdrop of recent strife between Israel and its Arab neighbors is a subject with a seemingly timeless quality. As for the 1971 Indo-Pakistan War and the administration's famous tilt toward Pakistan, revelations from Nixon-Kissinger conversations make clear how truly controversial their decisions were in response to that crisis. Was the war a realistic extension of great power politics, as Nixon and Kissinger believed? Was world peace as much in jeopardy as they thought? Administration efforts, first to block Allende's accession to power, and then to bring him down, are now well known. Additional details about the extent of that concern and the Nixon-Kissinger response to it are part of this book's new history. More important is the need to revisit assertions about Allende's threat to U.S. national security in the hemisphere. Inevitably, questions arise about the Nixon administration's part, if any, in the deaths of Chilean Chief of Staff René Schneider in 1970 and Allende in 1973. And what role, if any, did we play in the Pinochet coup and his subsequent hold on power? Nixon's use of foreign affairs to overcome impeachment threats in 1973 and 1974 are a disturbing part of the administration's history. Its impact on foreign policy deserves particular consideration, as does the more extensive use of international relations to serve domestic political goals throughout Nixon's presidency. Nixon's competence to lead the country during his impeachment crisis also requires the closest possible scrutiny. It raises the question of whether Kissinger and other cabinet members should have considered invoking the 25th Amendment to ensure that foreign adversaries did not take advantage of a weakened administration, as Kissinger feared. At variance with the German philosopher Georg Hegel's view that, quote, nations and governments have never learned anything from history, I am convinced that the many questions raised in this audiobook have relevance for current national and international problems. 
arguments about the wisdom of the war in Iraq and how to end U.S. involvement there, relations with China and Russia, what to do about enduring Mideast tensions between Israelis and Arabs, and the advantages and disadvantages of an imperial presidency can, I believe, be usefully considered in the context of a fresh look at Nixon and Kissinger and the power they wielded for good and ill. Circumstance and shared interest in great foreign policy issues was the ostensible bond bringing Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger together after Nixon's victory in the 1968 presidential contest. But the connection rested on larger commonalities. True, their backgrounds and experience could not have been more different. The small-town Southern California Quaker, who gained prominence through political combat, and the German-Jewish emigre, whose innate brilliance elevated him to the front rank of American academics. But they were as much alike as they were different, both self-serving characters with grandiose...